Walking through forests of palm tree apartments Scoff at the monkeys who live in their dark tents Down by the waterhole, drunk every Friday Eating their nuts, saving their raisins for Sunday Lions and tigers who wait in the shadows They're fast but they're lazy and sleep in green Hello and welcome to another episode of Third Degree Burn. We're back again for another sideburn with X-Men The Hidden Years. I'm nonchalant Nigel Spink, your burn fan in Japan. And with me, as always, is my ho- my co-host... Jolly John Hyatt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, John. Hey there, and I'm on the west coast of the United States in sunny California. Yeah, mi amigo in San Diego. Right, we are continuing with our coverage of X-Men The Hidden Years. Uh, We're traveling back to the Savage Land once again with the Merry Mutants. Um, Before... Before we go on any further, something I just wanted to ask you, John. I meant to ask you last time, but I forgot. Uh, Talking about the original X-Men, did you have a favorite amongst that group? Oh, well, I I always liked Marvel Girl. Right. And I I really, Havoc, uh, I don't think he was an official member, but I liked Havoc the best. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. One of the later ones to arrive. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. of the original five, I like Marvel Girl. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm. Mine was always Cyclops, yeah. Right from the beginning. Ah, okay. There, there was something about him. It was the look, I think, with the, you know, with the visor in, uh, across the face. He looked the kind of, he looked the most futuristic. And uh, I always liked those things you know sci-fi looks mm-hmm. and things that dealt with the future and space when even when i was younger so for me he had the look uh and then of course he turned out to be deputy leader and yeah i've always liked cyclops mm. yeah. excellent yeah yeah, yeah i mean i like cyclops too i didn't like how he was later turned into Kind of a real jerk. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm. I, yeah. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, I was going to say, I wasn't really following it, following it anymore by the time he became a real jerk. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Like in the last 25 years or so. Yeah, yeah. Really but, I mean, I, I think, I'm one of the few people, I think, who actually was happy when they brought Jean Grey back. (laughs) Um, Mm. But of course, I was so happy about that that I wasn't really thinking about the effects that were going to happen to Cyclops, you know, with him being with uh, Madeline Madeline Pryor. Yeah. 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 
Um, but still, you know, I, I was glad that they got back together again. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that was a little bit of a, or a big concern for me. I mean, that, uh, that was the start of him being a jerk. But I mean, in the last 20 years or so, they really turned him into a, a real creep. Yeah, so I believe, but yeah, I've not like Cyclops anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't read those, and yeah, so but, yeah, yeah, that was pretty. Um, you know, when when X Factor came out and they brought her back, that was yeah. a pretty crappy thing to do to his wife and kid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess it was, but yeah, um, yeah. And besides, I don't blame Cyclops for that. That's Chris Claremont's fault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always thought that he he introduced Cyclops to another woman far too quickly. You know, if you've just lost the love of your life in the way that he did, I don't think you'd be in a big rush to get back into, you know, the dating game. Well, it is his pattern because if you remember after they thought that Gene and Hank were killed in Antarctica with the Battle of Magneto, he was hitting on Colleen Wing, Wing pretty quickly there. Well, was he or was she hitting on him? Well, and, and he just accepted it because of the way he he was feeling at the time. Because, yeah, he he didn't really... The others were kind of mentioning at the time that he wasn't reacting the way they thought he should if Gene was, you know, just dead. Uh-huh. Uh, and maybe that's because he still had, you know, they got that telepathic link thing going between them. They hadn't at that time, though. Uh, did they not have any link at all, though? Not, not anything as pronounced as what that I that I'm aware of that we that they did when during the Phoenix sagas when that was. Uh, okay, happened. yeah, yeah. Because I always wondered, maybe he reacted the way he did because deep down he felt she's not dead even though he can't prove anything you know yeah 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 Uh, but but that's way beyond the time that we're it is yes talk about now Mm. yes so yeah let's get to let's get back to the original x-men um so i have x-men hidden years number two and there are two covers for this book which mm-hmm. is quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it's called Slaughter in the Savage Land. And burn books out this month are uh, Spider-Woman 7 as the writer and Amazing Spider-Man 13 as the plotter and penciler. Mm-hmm. The original cover was is just attributed and signed as John Byrne. I couldn't find that there was another, uh, an inker or anything on that. It just mm. says John Byrne. Mike's Amazing World only accredits it as John Byrne. Right. And alternate cover is John Byrne and Townsend. Now, I don't know who Townsend is. I did try to look him up on Mike's Amazing World, and there are actually two Townsends. One is Lee Townsend, but this was not uh, credited to uh, Lee Townsend as as a work, and uh, Lee Townsend's work was significantly later that that Mike's has listed then uh, X-Men Hidden Years 2. The other one is Tim Townsend. But interestingly enough, amidst the many uh, uncanny X-Men pieces that he was working on, X-Men Hidden Years number two was not listed on Mike, Amazing World. So I don't know if it's Tim Townsend or not. Uh, I suspect it probably is because Mm -hmm. of 
the, the evidence of the other work, but um, I don't know. We just know it's Townsend. Yeah. Okay. So John Byrne and Tom Palmer are listed as writer slant artists. Mm -hmm. Greg Wright is the colorist. Jason Liebig is the editor. Bob Harris as the editor in chief. Okay. Um, do we want to talk about the cover or just go into? Yeah, the I was just going to ask you. So, what's your view on the uh, on the original and then the the alternate cover? I have the copy of the alternative cover, yeah. which is Gene floating in the air with the X Men below, mouths agape, and <laughs> Um, Magneto looming through uh, from behind, and in between is one of our mysterious bat-like creatures, yeah. raising his arms, uh, and she's hanging there in a sinister or a, just kind of a very science fictiony, Bride of Frankenstein kind of way. <laughs> mm. um, so that's the cover that I have, and uh, when looking at if I had seen the original cover, I would have bought the original cover because I like it much better, which is a Tyrannosaurus Rex chasing uh, after Cyclops, who is uh, almost down on the ground, and Beast and Angel are swinging in to help him. And I just, I like that cover a lot better. But um, that's just right. me. Yeah. So, yeah how that, about that, you, Nigel? Right. Well, yeah, that, that's the issue that I have with the T-Rex cover. That's the one that came through to my local comic shop where I had it on order. I didn't know anything about the alternate cover until more recently. I'd never seen it before. Well, actually, I didn't know this was an alternative cover until recently when looking yeah, at it. You thought that was the one, yeah. That was it. So there you go, yeah. Um, I... I like the alternate cover. I, I, I still prefer, as you do, I prefer the, the one with the T-Rex. But it's not a bad alternate cover. It's, it's showing you things that are going to be in, in the comic. Yeah, with, with Gene there floating, as you say, in, in, a, in a sort of inverted, almost crucifix position. And with the other X-Men sort of looking on from below. And then, yeah, the ghostly Magneto in the background, uh, looking over everything. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't know about it, as I say, until recently. It's not bad, but yeah, I, pre I do prefer the, what I call the original one, the, mm. the one with uh, the T-Rex on it and Cyclops. And of course, I always think that that is the, the one that Byrne meant to be the cover. Um simply because I can't find the mystery number on the alternate cover anywhere. I scoured it and looked and looked, and I can't find it either. Mm. I don't know if there is one on there. Uh -huh. But if not, that suggests that this, this cover with the T-Rex is the, the one that was meant to be, as it were. The official cover. Yes, by John Byrne only, as you say. Yeah, his signature's on there. Have you found the number, by the way? Uh, you know, I I had found it, but I can't find it again. <laughs> You've lost it again. <laughs> I've lost it. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a continual... Uh, oh, there it is. I found it. Yeah, you, I'm going to say it's pretty easy, actually. Yeah. It's, it's almost in the same place as issue one. Yeah. Uh, on a similar looking rock. Yeah. 
And again, it's, yeah, just to the left of Cyclops. And that, of course, would be, yeah, if this issue would have carried straight on with the X-Men run, uh, number 68. Yep, there it is. Really great cover. I like it. Yep. And, and at this time, we were celebrating 60 years of superheroes. Yes. Yeah. And and I like that it's still the strangest teens of all on the masthead. Up there. <laughs> mm, still mm. Car- he's still carrying that through right. from the original book, which was cool. Yeah. So shall I go into the synopsis? Yeah, sure. Fire okay. away. Mm. So this is a, a little bit of a mix of myself and Marvel fandom. So mm. continuing from issue one, where the team was sent to the Savage Land by Professor X to confirm that Magneto is truly and indeed dead after their last encounter. Lonely Cyclops walks through the forests of the Savage Land, still trying to comprehend that Jean did not survive the crash of the X-Men Sentinel air transport. In his grief, he fires an enormous optic blast, which attracts a Tyrannosaurus Rex. But before a fight can start, Beast swings in and carries Cyclops away from the dinosaur. Beast and Angel then tell Cyclops that Jean may not be dead after all. (laughs) Meanwhile, a hungover Bobby wakes up in the apartment of Vera and Zelda. Folks familiar with the original X-Men will remember that Vera and Zelda were reoccurring characters that Bobby and Hank had been dating and standing up a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Zelda is not amused because she finds out that Bobby didn't really show up on her door uh, because he likes or is unhappy or is uh, in love with her, but it did not contact her for weeks now uh, because he is seemingly showing up after trouble with another girl. Uh, suddenly, Bobby picks up the telepathic message from Professor X, which was originally directed towards Alex and Lorna. Uh, he realizes that the X-Men are in danger and he plans to do something about it. Perplexed, Zelda calls Candy Southern, who as X-Men folks will know, is Warren's girlfriend, to ask her if she knows anything about what's going on at Xavier's school for gifted uh, youngsters. Looking at a picture of Warren, Candy answers she was never able to attend the school herself. In the meanwhile, meanwhile, in the Savage Land, the X-Men are back with the native tribe who found them after the crash. The tribal chief explains to Cyclops that their priests put people who will uh, soon die into a boat and send them down the river to so-called paradise. Same happened to Jean Grey. The X-Men then need to find out the destination where the boats are headed. After Angel takes off alone to fly over the mountains, Cyclops and Beast are confronted by tribe warriors who do not want outsiders to interfere with their tradition. To make matters worse, the priests of the tribe are actually these bat-like creatures with large wings and fangs. Cyclops and Beast grab one of the boats and escape through a tunnel, but not before an arrow hits Scott right in the chest. When the boat reaches the exit of the tunnel, the two X-Men find themselves not in paradise, but amid huge towering buildings. Somehow, Scott's wound has miraculously healed itself just before the boat is captured by a large cage. At the same time, Angel does not fare better going across the mountains. Turbulence makes him crash down on the snowy side of the mountain, and he is knocked unconscious. And the final panel, another winged creature mysteriously appears. Mm-hmm. But we only see their legs. Mm. So, Nigel, anything to add? What did you think of the story? 
Uh, I've got one or two things to add. As to well, for the story itself, yeah, it's uh, we're moving along nicely. It's getting more interesting and more mysterious. You know, we're, one thing's leading to another, and we're not getting all the answers yet about what this place is and who these weird bat-winged creatures really are. Uh, so yeah, plenty to keep us coming back for more. I'm loving the artwork. Fabulous, as mm-hmm. usual. But I like Tom Palmer as Inca. I agree with you. I think yeah. this is a really good fit. Yeah. Now, one or two things, though, sort of connected with the past X-Men stories. First of all, as you say at the beginning, Cyclops encounters a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember when they encountered a T-Rex before? It must have been in the original trip to um, the Savage Land. Yep. Well, not well. I was thinking more of the. It's in the Neil Adams run, which is not the first time they went to the yeah to the uh, Savage Land. Here, the point is, Byrne is again. He does this a lot. He's kind of mimicking something from a past story, uh, but changing it slightly, putting so putting a new slant on it. So, as I say, in the original one, in the Neil Adams run, the T Rex attacks them. And Cyclops uh, basically gives the T-Rex a face full of optic blast. <laughs> he doesn't mess about. He just blasts the T-Rex uh, to get rid of it, basically. And in this, Byrne is doing the opposite because Cyclops is blaming himself for actually mm. upsetting the T-Rex, if you like. <laughs> and he's only defending his territory, as it were. Cyclops won't fire at this T-Rex, even though he stands the chance of being eaten by it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, very similar situation there. And then, of course, the beast swings in to save the day by pulling Cyclops away. But as I say, yeah, Byrne hearkening back to the earlier Neil Adams story there. And then we got another blast from the past, Zelda and Vera. <laughs> As you say, it's been a while since we last saw them. Do you remember when they would have last appeared? <laughs> no, I haven't read them. <laughs> I haven't read them in many, many years. Probably. Right. Well, yeah, I checked up on it. And the last time we saw them before this was in X-Men 47. Ooh. So quite a way back, even with regard to, you know, the old original issues. Yeah, no kidding. They, they did not appear after X-Men 47. So all through the Neil Adams run and everything, right up to when the original stories ended, no more Vera and Zelda. Mm-hmm. And Byrne brings them back here. <laughs> Again, as he usually does, he remembers these characters, doesn't he, from long ago. And he always tries to get them back into the story, whether it's... Uh, Sort of like the supporting characters or old villains that you've kind of forgotten about. Well, and I like how he uh, just, he brought him in, but he's also kind of dealing with the fact that, yeah, we just didn't see them after issue 47. They just disappeared. Mm. Here's Burn saying, yeah, um, I'm going to deal with that little plot thread that just never got dealt with. They just kind of got forgotten and ignored when they probably went and switched writers to Roy Thomas. I was going to say, I think maybe maybe Roy Thomas didn't really want them. Yeah. Because uh, they seem to have got forgotten uh, in the last uh, 20 issues or so of the original X-Men run. Yeah, the thing that made me go back to check on when we last saw them was what uh, 
was what Zelda said to her mother on the phone when Bobby's cronked out on the, on the couch. Like She says he didn't even show up to help Vera move in like he promised. So I thought, ooh, I wonder if I can find where they last were together and he might have promised he's going to help them move in. Uh-huh. Uh, but in that particular issue, 47, there's nothing mentioned about Vera moving mm. to another apartment or anything. So that's just been added here, I think. Yep. And uh, in Burn style, do you recognize this apartment layout? Uh, should I? Is it from a TV or something? It is. It is. It's from Friends. It's Monica's apartment oh, okay. on friends all right yeah i'm not that up on friends that i would recognize the apartments <laughs> yeah. yeah right uh, even right. even the outside of the building is the same uh-huh oh, okay yeah just like gene gray's house is yeah i'm gonna say i recognize that's bewitched into the the house that yeah all oh, right yeah no i wasn't a big friends uh watcher so i, I wouldn't have recognized that but uh yeah you did. So two little things there. And then Candy Southern, of course, just comes in for a, a page there. I like the way she, yeah, she's covering up. Yeah, she's saying, oh, yeah, well, she's not telling any lies. Yeah, I never got a chance to go to the school. Mm -hmm. True, she didn't. Uh, but, yeah, on the backside of Warren's picture, <laughs> there's another picture of him, isn't there? Yeah, uh, yeah carrying her and flying in the air with his wings outspread. So she does know that he's a mutant, yeah. But she doesn't say anything about that. Yeah. And then, of course, it's back to the Savage Land. And I am. Um, and Jean's already been delivered to this paradise or whatever. They mentioned that her injuries are healed. Mm. And Magneto's, yeah, already in there, hovering over her. Yeah, and there he is in his ghostly specter. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite an interesting... And you know what? It's great to have Magneto back. I like this um, version of him kind of before everything happened. It's, it is very much reminds me of the Magneto that we had in the early, you know, part of the Bronze Age or the mid part of the Bronze yes. Age. Yeah, yeah. Just, just going through this whole ruse of having this 3D projection and all, or astral projection, whatever he's doing, it's just... It's just it's just kind of campy and fun. Yeah, we're wondering what's happening with Magneto. Yeah. He's there, but he's not there. Mm. So uh, <laughs> then, now I didn't I didn't read this, but my book has an insert of a uh, four part two of a four part Spider Man story. Do you have that as well? Yes, with the my, with the Mysterio. Yeah, I think I must have read through it at the time. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, because I used to read everything like I would have read that first, I think. Then I used to go, always go and read the lettuce pages before I actually read the comic. Oh, really? Okay. It became a bit of a yeah tradition for me. I always used to read the lettuce pages before I read the comics. Yeah. Oh, fun. So yeah, I would have read it in the past to begin with. But yeah, I didn't take too much notice of it. But So we have these... Um creatures that they're talking to on the other side of that the the, the priests or whatever and the, to me yeah. they're very much they're very burned kind of science fictiony folks remember gilded lily from alpha flight that kind of reminds yes. me of her yeah yeah oh that's right yeah they look like her and they probably look like maybe one or two other sort of alien creatures that he's drawn remember when the ff went into the negative zone for a holiday mm-hmm 
Yeah. They uh, they sort of reminiscent of one or two of the alien species that we saw during that little run. There was that was about six issues long, wasn't it? And they met one or two different races, the minds of Mantracora and things like that. Yeah. One of the things that I'm enjoying are the grouping shots between Beast Angel and Cyclops that he does as they kind of collaborate and chat. Right. Uh, I'm really enjoying them. Yeah. And so does it look like behind the warriors, those are like volcano, active volcanoes, or are those just clouds touching the mountaintops? They look like, well, to me, it looks like it's coming out of them like they're small volcanoes. Yeah, that's funny. Especially the one on the right. The one in yeah. the middle of the of the picture is it certainly gives the suggestion that something's spouting out of the top. Yeah. Mm, so they're like volcanic, yeah, small volcanoes. And they're quite displeased. You now you must pay for your betrayal. Yeah. And uh, they immediately just open. It's, it's an execution. Yeah. <laughs> they immediately just open fire on them. Firing real arrows this time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Cyclops to the rescue. Yep. It's, but they still don't want to hurt them, which is um, mm-hmm. I like. I like that um, Burn has brought back Hank using words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like we used to have in in the original. His, vo- um, his vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. Before before he became the bouncing blue furry beast, which I love that character. <laughs> I, I love that beast, but here you know, therefore it therefore behooves us to disappoint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, the priests yeah, open up their arms and and their wings, yeah. <laughs> and Beast gives a little, oh my, yeah. So, they get their boat and yeah. Cyclops makes like a makes like a motorboat, yeah, a powerboat motor, and off they go, um, zooming away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, looking again at where that arrow hit. That's pretty fatal. Yeah. <laughs> that always reminds me of the Monty, uh, one of the Monty Python sketches from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, <laughs> where Lancelot and his horse are jumping over these rocks, and somebody fires an arrow from a castle, and it hits the ho- the guy who's supposed to be his horse. <laughs> so he gets this arrow in his chest like that, and he just goes, "Message for you, sir," and collapses backwards. <laughs> And then John Cleese is saying, like, oh, I will avenge your death. And he goes, I'm not dead, sir. And he goes, okay, I'll avenge your mortal wounding. And he's saying, actually, I'm feeling quite a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. This is what's happening to Cyclops. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm starting to feel better, even though I've got this arrow in my chest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bit of Monty Python there in this one. Yeah. Well, they're on the road or on the on the thing, and wow, what an impressive city mm-hmm. that they come out to! And is that just not John Byrne at his best when he creates something yes, like that? Yes, yeah, the splash page, and yet, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's it's an awesome kind of city, but at the same time, it's not nice, is it? You know what I mean? No, it looks kind of grubby and creepy. It's interesting that one section there kind of looks like the Tower of London. <laughs> Or I mean the London Bridge. 17th century London there, yeah. With the sewers opening out into the river. Yep. This big sewer there. Yeah. I like that beast just going paradise with two question marks after. Yeah, but a beautiful drawing. Yes. And a great subscription page. Yep. Featuring X-Men hitting Nears, issue number one's cover. Yep. 
over the page and off we go and Cyclops is healed. Yes. Pulls out his arrow. Um yeah. Mm. Kind of it's kind of strange to me how it would heal with the arrow still embedded in there. <laughs> yeah, it's not um, Wolverine, is it? So but... and and then pulling the arrow out, he's lucky that that arrow chip is rounded so that it can pull out easily come out, yeah. Red relatively easily that's convenient of, yeah yeah <laughs> and then they're captured by a cage yeah they get a cage popping up out of the water around yeah. them mm. so then we get over to warren's track and these are some really amazing pictures i think of him going through this you, to me you can really see the strain that he's going through I yeah think they're real and again, Byrne is kind of mirroring something else again from the Neil Adams uh, issues. Oh, is it? In one of the issues, I think it might be six at the beginning of issue 63, uh, because the angel kind of follows the others to the Savage Land. He's not with the, he's not with the others at, at the beginning when they go after Carl Lycos. He has to follow after them. And as he's going into the Savage Land, he gets attacked by a few pterodons and they kind of one of them sort of injures him and he starts to plummet he loses control in a similar way and he's plummeting mm. towards the ground and lands with a you know with a crash on the ground and in that one of course he's found by magneto and uh, amphibious and so this reminded me of that because again he's uh, He's losing control because of the weather this time. And then he gets slammed against the rocks and plummets down yeah, into the snows of the mountainside. Yeah. But again, a very similar kind of happening. Very. And then we're introduced to a mystery. half of a character. A yeah. mystery character. But this yeah. person seems to have human kind of flesh as opposed to yeah. th these priests, yeah. these other bat priests seem to be... Kind of yellowy colored skin, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, white. Whitish, yellowy. But this looks like flesh. Mm. And that takes us up to the end. Now, we didn't go very in depth on it, but. Um... Oh, nice little skim through. And well, I say one or two things connected to past stories and events that uh, it brought that. back to me. Yeah. Yep, I love mm. that. But a very good issue. You know, it moved the story along really well. Yes, yeah. And uh, it was, even with the interlude with Bobby and Candy, uh, which took a lot more pages than I think probably some would in the past, but mm -hmm. I, mean, I think they, I don't think it harmed or interrupted the story too much. No. To set up something for later. And I think it was probably necessary to have that, yeah, just to let us know what's happening with everybody. Mm. It was. It was nice, and I, I think it yeah. was a nice callback to uh, what happened with Vera and <laughs> poor Zelda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they seem to have been forgotten years ago, and Burns, Burns remembered them, yeah, brought them back, if only for a cameo appearance, yeah. Oh, sorry, did you, at the beginning, uh, did you mention about other Burn productions? Yes, uh, he was on um, Spider-Woman as the writer, Spider-Woman 7, and oh, right. Amazing Spider-Man 13 as yeah. the plot yeah. of Pence. Um, and I, and I, think, I think I was reading that Spider-Woman. I think that was the, the younger girl with dark hair. 
Not Jessica Drew. Yeah. Not, it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't I Jessica Drew. I swear because we're, uh, we're talking the beginning of the of 2000s, aren't we now yeah. here? Although this is supposed to be taking place, yeah, in the past here. Yeah, the other comics are like late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah, it would be, what's her name? Can't remember. Uh, yeah, because she appeared in, in the Spider-Man run as well that he was doing once or twice. Okay. Yeah, that, that was an interesting series. I, I did I did like it. Yeah, I think I've only got a couple of issues of that. I didn't read it. Uh, but as I say, when she appeared once or twice in the Spider-Man run that was going on at the same time, it overlapped into the Spider-Woman title. So I would buy that issue that connected to the Spider-Man story. So I say I've Matty got, Franklin is her I've got, name. Yeah, Mad Matty Franklin, that's it. So I've got one or two of the Spider-Woman uh, issues, but I didn't read it regularly. So yeah, overall, I, I like the story. Um, going back and reading again, I am enjoying rereading re this. Yeah. And uh, it is a lot of fun. It's updated, but yet it still makes you feel like, yeah, this could really take place uh, with those those characters at the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Shall we have a look at issue number three then? Let's do. Moving right on. Right, so X-Men The Hidden Years, number three. And it's 32 pages, 22 pages of story, cover date February of 2000. Um, the production team, okay, writer, penciler, John Byrne, inker, Tom Palmer, colorist, Gregory Wright. Now, letterer, and this is according to Marvel Wiki because it's not actually, there isn't a letterer mentioned in the actual comic, but letterer, John Byrne. Mm. Yeah, according to the Marvel Wiki, John Byrne lettered this one. And editor Jason Liebig, Liebig, however you pronounce his name. And the title of this story, On Wings of Angels. We just have a quick look at the front cover. Uh, it shows us we've got Cyclops and Beast in their boat, which has just been caged, as you mentioned in your synopsis for number two. And the beast is just leaping up to fend off an attack from one of these bat-winged priest creatures, giving it a good slug there. And Cyclops is just behind him in the boat, firing his optic blast probably at another one of these bat-winged creatures who is off off picture. Uh, so got a nice action picture there on the front. And in a little lower right-hand corner insert, we have a picture of head and shoulders of Kazar. And it says, all this and Kazar too. And Beast and Cyclops battle alone. So what do you think of this cover? Quite action-packed. I like it. Yeah. yeah. It really is one that's going to say, hey, let me grab this book. Because yeah. That's what I like about it. Mm, yeah, this is a, yeah, get this comic because this is full of action. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes, it's a very nice drawing there by Mr. Byrne. And the mystery number. Yes, I found it. You found it? Actually, it's not very hard to find this time. No, it's, it's fairly easy again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, number 69, right there below the tech. That's it, yeah. Just below the N in alone. You see the 69 kind of shallowly trying to make it look like knocks in the wood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the way that he's drawn the 69 in a very rounded form. 
Mm. But it's still quite obviously the number. Yeah, so there, there we, we go. go. Number 69. Right, so the synopsis for this is as follows on Wings of Angels. High above the frozen Antarctic wastes, the X-Men's air car carrying Alex Summers and Lorna Dane picks up a faint signal. As they wonder how to pinpoint the signal, Professor Xavier telepathically assures them that they are in the right spot. As if on cue, they hit the same turbulence encountered earlier by the other X-Men. Meanwhile, the angel wakes up to find himself amongst savage land natives he recalls how the team split up in their attempts to find the paradise beyond the mountains angel had attempted to fly over the mountains but the winds had been far too strong and he was thrown against the rocks and knocked unconscious he seems to remember something else but he's not given time to rest as the natives intend to take him on another journey Elsewhere, Cyclops and Beast have found themselves caged on a boat as they travelled the canal of a large high-towered city. They fight off several bat-like priests, known as Nugari, and the Beast, carrying Cyclops, swings up into a higher part of the monolithic buildings. In another part of the city, we see Marvel Girl. She appears to be unconscious but it is only faking until her captors leave the room in which she is confined. Using her powers of telekinesis, she unlocks the door and escapes the cell. Searching the corridors and hallways, she comes upon the astral form of Magneto, who is angry with the priests for not being able to capture Cyclops and Beast. The two X-Men learn that the natives sent here are being used as slaves in the city. But they still don't know why Scott's chest wound caused by an arrow healed so quickly. Back in the Savage Land jungle, Alex and Lorna land their air car at the location where the other X-Men crashed down. They change into their costumes just before they are met and greeted by Kazar. He recognises them as X-Men, even though he does not know them individually. They give him their names as Havoc and Magnetrix, the latter causing Alex to make a smug remark about covering up with a better code name. <laughs> Kazar does not know this part of the Savage Land very well, but has come to investigate supposed dark happenings. Havoc and Magnetrix agree to go with Jungle Lord and his saber-toothed tiger, Zabu. Later, Angel is brought to the city by his native friends who explain how their ancestors found this magic place hundreds of years ago. The place has healing powers, but long term it transformed the humans into these bat-winged creatures. The Nugari used the lie of a paradise to bring natives to the city and use them as slaves. However, some Nugari realise this is wrong and they try to help the natives who are brought here. Another ally is a feather-winged female and Angel now remembers he saw her in the mountains just before he lost consciousness. Cut to a high tower in the city, 
where beast and cyclops find an enormous hangar. Inside is a huge ship held up by dozens of large balloons. Meanwhile, as Marvel Girl wonders why she cannot detect Magneto telepathically, the master of magnetism's projected hand reaches into her head from behind. Jean is immediately overpowered and falls to the floor to be continued. So still, things going on and on. What did you think of this one? Well, a lot going on here, which really uh, furthered the story. And I, I think, you know, obviously going to continue on for at least another issue. So it's a, kind of a drawn out <laughs> story, but it doesn't yeah. feel like it in a way because there's a lot of stuff going on in there. Not like some decompressed stories where, you know, you take three pages to do something that could be told in two or three panels. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is just really good because there's just a lot of lot of information in here and a lot of interesting stuff to, to bring the story on and further the mystery of Magneto <laughs> and why the ruse yeah. that he's dead. You know, why is he doing this ruse to um, these people? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we we're not sure yet whether yeah. he's doing this on purpose pretending to be like a ghostly figure or whether there has something has happened to him which at the moment he can't turn back he can't alter it so he, he is a bit he is a bit handicapped at the moment yeah yeah but we don't know so we start off with uh havoc and lorna who currently has no name yet but she's obviously thinking of it yeah uh, <laughs> And we get to that. Oh, but a nice little uh, recap there on that page. What? One, two, three. Some mm. uh, quick recap, which kind of is really good to encapsulate all three or the previous two issues. Yep. Yep. What do you think? Yep. Burns sticking with the old, yeah. Everybody's issue is uh, somebody's first issue. Yeah. yeah. So nice little recap, as you say, of what happened in the previous issue. Not too long, only but only like five panels, but that's all it needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was with the appropriate explanations. Yeah, and then we're right back into the story and moving along. Yeah, great artwork. I like that image of of Warren down on the bottom right, where it's just his head af after the. Oh yeah, yeah. Journey, what journey? Very Neil yeah. Adamsy in that way as well. Yes. Mm. And I like the way it's kind of well. The last time we saw Angel, of course, he was. Uh, falling to the ground unconscious on a mountain, right. and now and now here he is. The next time we see him, he's be obviously been recovered, rescued, and brought to a village of some kind. And he wakes up, uh, yeah, in a nice sort of comfortable bed of sorts with the local natives. So we still don't know really how did he get from the mountain to here, but mm -hmm. and they want to take him on another journey. He's like he's probably very suspicious of that. Yeah, and then cut back to yeah to the action in the city. Yeah, with Cyclops and Beast in the caged boat. Mm. Yeah, and a great um, scene there that's uh, reminiscent of the cover. You yes. get to see the. A different angle perspective of it and you know I, I know there's a lot of commentary on some sites that uh, about the old comics where the cover didn't was never actually depicted inside the book and how that kind yeah. of bothers a lot of people that 
Mm -hmm. that is there so that this is not one of those types of covers um it is in the book right well i think for me sometimes they would depict things on the cover of the old ones yeah which which were it, it was from the story but actually what you saw on the cover some you know a, a particular action or something that someone says when you read the story inside, that particular bit of information or action didn't appear in the story inside. So kind of the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you could see from the cover that, like, for example, the Spider-Man was going to be fighting Sandman. But what might be happening on the actual cover or what they were saying on the actual cover, it, it didn't take place in the story itself when you when you read mm -hmm. it. But yeah, it it doesn't really matter, as you say, so long as it's not totally different. And then I know in later years, they started doing covers that didn't really have anything to do with uh, the story at all. They were more like just Poster. poses. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just that, I guess, when you see a cover that's got something from the story on the front, you tend to remember the story inside more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, whereas in the in later years, for example, I've I've got a I've got quite a few of the original Spider Girl uh, issues. So we're talking like late nineties, early two thousands here. But there was a run, there was a run round about between numbers, let's say sixty ish to seventy odd, where most of the covers it was just like some pose that Spider Girl was in. And nothing else, yeah? Sometimes they didn't even have a background. It was just Spider-Girl on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a nice picture and everything. But when I when I kind of look at it, look, looking through them later, and I'm like, well, I can't remember what actually happened in these issues because there's nothing to give me a clue. You know, the only thing we've got on every page, uh, sorry, on every cover, is a picture of Spider-Girl in some pose or other. Yeah, and I couldn't remember the stories. I had to go back inside and then, ah, oh, right, yeah, this is that story. I'd forgotten about that. So I think that was one thing that helped when the covers did used to show the action that was going to take place inside. It helped you to remember the stories without having to go back into the comic. Yep, indeed, indeed. And then we're over to Jean and... And Marvel Girl, yeah, she's been faking unconsciousness. And this yeah. artwork looks like it's more dominated by Palmer than Byrne mm -hmm. in some places. Like that second panel down, that doesn't look like much like Byrne's work at all. It looks a lot like Palmer. Right. Uh, still a yeah. great little scene here. And it's... Yeah, the way that she's dressed and the, like, the backgrounds here, the, the scenario... It kind of, this could be in like a horror story, couldn't yeah. it? Yes, it could. Yeah. It's reminiscent of like a, a Hammer horror setup. Yeah. And here's Magneto giving them a dressing down. These guys yeah. are really in trouble. <laughs> he's not happy. And the, yeah. the guy in the, the the guy behind the two on the left, he's really feeling it. <laughs> that face. Oh yeah, the, he's got a miserable face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I love the 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 picture of magneto there up on the upper left of the next page that is such mm. a great panel yeah yeah that's magneto i love it mm. i like the way burn draws the helmet mm -hmm. a little bit more dialogue about 
how did he get healed and all that. So just kind of re-cementing that. And of course, they mentioned Kazar, and sure enough, we'll cut to Kazar. Uh-huh. Figure this out. And, and, and to Lorna and Havoc. Yep. Getting into costume. Finding the crushed airship from the previous, from the X-Men's. Now, yeah, well, she says to Kazar, we're X-Men. And he says, this much I know. And I thought, "Mm, how does he know? Because he doesn't know who they are, unless it's just that he's guessing they must be because they're wearing weird costumes. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. So, yeah, so so why he knows that, that's uh, uh, unknowing. And then he's saying that he's not from this part of the uh, the jungle, so he's not aware of what's happening exactly. Yeah. So they decide to tag along with Kazo. Yeah. Again, we're back to Gene, and Magneto is still mad <laughs> with Amphibious now. Yeah. yeah, he's pretty. He's going pretty crazy. But Gene is looking or learning more, and mm. uh, finding out that the the boys are there, which is good. Uh-huh. I was just going to say, Jean's realizing though there's something strange about Magneto's ghost because she can't detect him on a psychic level. Yeah, yeah, mm. well, something's up with that. Mm. Something's not right about him. Something's not right. Him. And this is where we find out the real story of the valley and what's going on, what's really going on here. Yeah. Great little sci fi style, cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, great, great storytelling here. Again, tells a lot with just the art alone. Yes. And then yeah. enough, enough words there to kind of pull you through. Mm-hmm. But I love the, the way that it just brings us the whole story in just a couple of pages. Yeah. How they, and then they started to evolve into these bat winged creatures. Well, some of them anyway. Mm-hmm. And started up this thing about going to paradise for the people who were dying, supposedly who were ill, but it's all a trick. They're using them as slaves. Pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, then we have a mysterious character from last issue show up. Yes. And indeed, quite a lovely creature herself. Mm, it is a female, yes. And kind of like a little bit different looking to the, the male priests. Yeah. Kind of a half-breed, maybe. Because mm-hmm. she seems to, she has wings more like Warren's than the bat type wing and then another cut to the city and boy are scott and beast high and beast is holding him with his feet crawling up this building (laughs) i didn't know that beast had that much strength really precarious that isn't it i wouldn't want to be cyclops there that would be quite scary for me yeah yeah but they're just crawling up a building they have they have no way to go or no no way to know where to go or anything they just say um i'm just gonna look for an open window and and they just think this building might be important because it's it's a big i guess so big building Mm. they run into something and then wow what a a sight there two pages yeah they they clonk the guard there's like a guard yeah so beast knocks him out and then double page spread yeah Wow. seed pods or something yeah excellent picture cavernous this cavernous mm-hmm. place you can see how massive it is because of the yeah. creatures flying around it how small yeah, they yeah. Are in comparison they only look small and mm. but then john introduced john byrne introduces how we get oh my stars and garden yeah yeah the tagline yeah, for, was... for a long time mm-hmm. <laughs> so you see he said it 
long before he was a furry beast. <laughs> <laughs> that's I bet that's why I put that in. He thought, yeah, I'm going to steal this one from whoever first had the uh, you know beast I'm say gonna, that. I'm going to give it an origin story. Yeah, <laughs> and there you go. There you so. go. He said it there. Oh, my stars and garters. Mm. Yeah. And, he's, and he's even got, yeah, it's a bit like the thing as well, because he says, as my sainted Aunt Gertrude yeah. used to say, that's just like yeah. the thing yeah. with uh, my old Aunt Petunia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That was kind of kind of a nice little nod to the story. Some people might yeah. roll their eyes, and I probably would too, and I probably do, but it's fun. <laughs> and the ship held up by all these, like, Balloons, but as we can see, they're holding the ship. Or are they? I don't know. Yeah. Or are they just floating above it? Yeah, I don't know. We'll find we'll out. We'll find later. out. We'll <laughs> find out later. Could be either one at the moment. And that's like, uh, you know, take this in for this issue. Yeah. That's it for that. He's. Because that's it for those two for this issue. That's it. We're back to Marvel Girl. And she's. Con and she's ruminating over the information and uh, then she is caught from behind and yeah something else that uh, yeah the 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 top right panel yeah mm -hmm. where magneto's putting his ghostly hand through her head but where have you seen that sort of thing before i have i just can't remember exactly where. <laughs> from from a from a run that burn was doing roughly 10 years before this if that gives you a clue uh, west coast avengers no little bit little bit after west coast avengers run i i don't know namor namor the submarine remember the the last issue burn did uh, of namor that he drew should i say because he carried on writing for a bit You've got Master Khan putting his hand through Namor's head oh. in, a, in a similar way. Oh. It's on the cover. It's on the cover of issue Namor 25. Okay. It's the last one that he drew. Excellent. So, yeah, that, I immediately thought of that when I saw this panel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Master Khan trick putting the hand through the head. Well, yeah. She doesn't look very good for the wear down she there. She doesn't look good, does she, laid on the floor? She's kind of like, <laughs> if, if this was a moving picture, you could imagine she's like spasming and jerking. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you can you can almost see it, yeah. And the face is like just one of yeah, horror, surprise and horror. She can't control herself anymore. And living up to, at the time, Magneto was called the second most powerful mutant mind on the on the Yeah. Uh, that's definitely brought from that age, that era. Second only to Professor X. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm. And there we go. She's left laid there in a state and next escape to oblivion. And still the story continues. Yes. This... For me, yeah, this is this is definitely turning into what I would call John Byrne's first Elsewhen. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of how the stories and the events just go on and on and on. It's just a rolling thing, yeah. Yeah. It never really comes to an end. It just goes from one situation, one adventure. One predicament to another. Yeah. I like it. The art was pretty solid. Yes. Some things I, there's some, like the first, but uh, the coloring is very good. I think uh, the, the paper really helped enhance and bring it very vibrant and, and solid. Yeah. I think on page one, 
Lorna's face, she looks more like she could be Sue Storm. <laughs> oh yeah. There. Yeah. If you if you imagine the the hair being blonde like Sue, that could be Sue Storm. Yeah. Is there a, a section that you find uh, more interesting in this this particular issue, or a panel that you that really what really stands out to you in this? If we haven't already talked about it, uh, well, no, actually, I've been thinking about that earlier before we started the podcast, and there isn't there isn't anything for me that really stands out from everything else, not in this issue. Mm-hmm. It's all, as you say, very good artwork. It all takes the story along nicely. Yeah, but nothing. Yeah, nothing out of the ordinary that I I would say. Oh, I think this is really, really fantastic. This particular panel or whatever. Yeah. Well, for me, I really, for me, it's that one a panel of Magneto's, just his head. All oh, right. Page eleven. Yeah. To me, that yeah. just the the detail in that and the mm-hmm. close upness of it. You can see his anger in his face. Yes. It really, really uh, strikes me. Mm. The mm. If I had to pick one panel, you'd pick that. Page, I would pick that one. Yeah, I like. That. Right. Um, yeah, I think for me, as you say, it's a very good picture of uh, the close-up of his face and everything. And I think because he's the ghost, though, and therefore the the colours they're using are very washed out. It's kind of takes something away from the overall finish. Mm-hmm. Could be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. If you could imagine that, but with the the full colour, if it was actually Magneto in the flesh, as it were, and not like a ghost, Mm -hmm. it would be even more impressive. Maybe I'm nitpicking a bit too much there, but... (laughs) And then I guess if I had to pick something, if you made me pick something, the page just before the double spread with the big balloons and everything, where... uh, Hank runs into the guard and gives him a good right hook, mm-hmm. knocks him out. I like I like that series of pictures on that page. Yeah, I like the action and it's very colourful and clear. That's a that's a nice burn burn picture. And so there we are, still stuck in the Savage Land. Yeah, <laughs> for a little bit longer. For sure. What's going to happen next? Yeah, I mean, Beast and Cyclops trying to get a, well, trying to find their way around. Marvel Girl's just come unstuck. Magneto's caught her. And, uh, yeah, Havoc and Lorna are there now, but they're following Kazar because they don't really know where they are. Well, yeah. I think, yeah, this run, the way he's drawing and writing it, um, it definitely makes you want to get the next issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you can't you can't just put this one down and not go back. There's far too much happening. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely pulling you into the story for sure. Yes, yeah, which is a good storyteller. Enjoyed that. Yeah, enjoyed both those issues. Yeah, rereading them again. I, I think I'm appreciating them more than originally. I am. It's the same with anything. When you've got these, especially these stories that are going on and on and on continuing continuing uh when you can read them all together it's like it's like binging on a tv series you know by watching it all at once (laughs) yeah it's 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 much better uh i mean imagine originally we're reading this one one piece at a time each month yeah 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 oh good as i say yeah around this time this was about the only thing i was reading 
well, as I say, this this and the Spider-Man volume, the Amazing Spider-Man volume two, because Byrne was also doing that. That's all I was reading, I think, from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was doing this and the Avengers, mm-hmm. and oh, and Spider Girl. Mm-hmm. Like I was, or Spider, right. and I was reading that Spider Woman. Yeah, yeah. All right then. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so for me. That's uh, we've covered the two issues nicely. Um, as you say, you ask the readers, um, readers, listeners to comment on anything that they may know that we have forgotten or don't know about uh, the action in these two issues. And uh, where where can they find us, or how can they get in touch with us? Yeah, they can find us on Facebook at Third Degree Burn. That's with the number three, R D Degree Burn. And they can email us at gottagetburned at gmail.com. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jolly John Hyatt. And I'm Nigel Spink. Thank you. for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.